Welcome to Kana Rinse Volume 4, Issue 171. You can play along with Kana Rinse Volume 4. Our next five issues will include Speedball and Speedball 2 Brutal Deluxe. Then it's Cameo Elements of Power. Following that, Max Payne 3. Then our penultimate Silent Hill series podcast, it's Shattered Memories. And after that, it's the last of our Wolfenstein run with The New Order. Head to canerince.com for the schedule up until not that far in the future now. Uh, only issue 180, so uh, look out for future announcements. Uh, but you'll also find at canerince.com the blog and, of course, links to our merchandise store, our Facebook page and our YouTube channel and our other podcast, Sound of Play. Uh, search that out on iTunes and uh, every other week you'll get about an hour of video game music uh, and uh, us and guests and contributors discussing uh, what we like, what what, uh, what video game music over the years has tickled our fancy and why. As always, please try to remember to review, rate and most importantly subscribe to both of those podcasts on iTunes. It's much appreciated. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Carl Moon. Hey, guys. And Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. So uh, this is sort of Silent Hill 5, but not. uh, Mm. It's not called Silent Hill 5. It's called Silent Hill Homecoming. And uh, I'm still kind of sad that I missed Silent Hill 4, because although uh, you all, uh, you three, reported back with a very, um, you know, a a mixed experience, Mm. it now feels like the one that I haven't played, you know, because uh, it literally is. I mean, yeah. there's two more that I still have to play, but there's going to be that gap. So uh, someday I'm going to have to seek that out. Uh, this is your spoiler warning. Um, again, I don't know how many people will listen to this who haven't played Silent Hill Homecoming, um, who will then go on to play it. Be interesting to see that. But uh, 
But as always, we will talk uh, unashamedly about elements of the story that you may consider to be ruinous to the experience. Right, let's start uh, with our histories with the game. Uh, now, those of you who have listened to uh, previous Silent Hill podcasts will probably have uh, a feeling for how much <laughs> we're into this uh, this franchise or not. But Sean, mm. uh, 2008, this came out in, in North America. It was September, just in time for Halloween. Yep. Uh, were you there in the queue with the uh, jack-o'-lantern? <laughs> um I did rent it actually uh day one. Um once again. Yeah, what I a know. tight wad. I know. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I was actually uh, uh pretty excited for it since it was the first one coming out on at that time I only had a three sixty, so Next Gen. Yeah, it was yeah. the next gen Silent Hill and all the all the shots I saw and all the videos I saw seemed seemed promising. You know, it looked um it looked flashy and new and it looked like they got the atmosphere right, so uh yeah it was day one and played through it um in a short amount of time that was just me and uh, my fiance sitting next to me with a laptop with game facts open because uh all right so <laughs> <laughs> for those puzzles yeah 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 um so obviously you were aware and we'll, we're going to talk some more about this you were aware that this was the first of the series uh that although it was obviously still published uh, by Konami, this was the first in the series to be not developed by Team Silent. Mm. Not only that, not handed to another Japanese team. Oh no, uh, but over to the West. Um, mm. Now, a, t- a team uh, which was th- it was a new name back then, Double Helix. <laughs> yeah. uh, this was their first release un- uh, under that uh, banner. I believe the game started uh, in development under the Collective. Um, uh, they best known for well, Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, Star Wars Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith. You know some games that are probably you know licensed games that aren't necessarily considered um, you know genre defining classics or whatever. Mm. Um, but the another Foundation Nine company that were kind of absorbed into Double Helix was Shiny Entertainment. So in a weird way, although the personnel are probably completely different, you can sort of trace Double Helix back to Earthworm Jim and MDK, hmm. um, Wild Nine Messiah and things like that. But uh, yeah, also Enter the Matrix. So well. you know um, that was uh, that was another thing. So. How were you feeling? Obviously, you're an American man. Yes, sir. Um, so were you thinking, uh, damn these Yanks, they should get their hands <laughs> off my J-horror? No, honestly not. That's, that's, that's always been a thing with me up until this day. I just, it doesn't matter what side of the world it comes from as long as it's good. Um, so I was kind of hoping that it would just be good, honestly. So, As an American man, speaking for the entire of the American <laughs> race, as you do, do you understand when people have reservations about U.S. developers sure, of uh, taking hold of Eastern properties? Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally I, – I get the reservation. It's just often it's, um, it's combined with a lot of the um, people who are, who are like – they already written it written it off as like this is it's yeah. already going to be bad so I, why would I even bother and they kind of already make up their mind about it once they hear that it's not coming from uh, Asia and I get the the apprehension but I don't get the immediate judgment I guess the prejudice yeah, yeah. yeah. okay uh, we'll come on to me in a minute uh, Carl what about you uh, you were at this point I believe in your life you were hoovering up many many Xbox 360 releases probably so <laughs> I guess this was one of those. Yeah, I didn't buy it though. I like Sean. I rented it. Mm. I rented it in two thousand and nine <laughs> because we had to wait. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, I didn't get it straight away because it was actually quite difficult to get. Uh, obviously, as a result of how pretty simple the achievements were, and 
it was I remember being a bit frustrated uh, in the wait to get it because obviously I was a huge Silent Hill fan um, mm. I was a bit worried that it had gone to a you know a western developer I am one of those people Sean I apologise <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was strange because obviously we hadn't heard of Double Helix Games uh, you know a, a company that have only really got going with Killer Instinct in 2013 so um yeah, I, I I remember being really dubious that this was going to be a good game. So I, it it was a rental, you know. I, I wasn't yeah. too taken aback by uh, Silent Hill Four the first time I played that, but it still had that Silent Hill title, so I felt I had to play it, and I gave it a fair chance. Yeah, it it is a game that um, I since completing it recently myself, I've n- realised how easy it can indeed be to uh, get the thousand achievement points or the platinum trophy via sort of slightly mm-hmm. nefarious means. Yeah. So actually, there, um, there, this is one of the few uh, PS3 games that was not updated for trophies. Oh, it doesn't have it trophies. Doesn't have okay. Trophies, yep. Oh, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Well, you can get a thousand achievement points yeah, on it. Then. Yeah. Uh, you can tell which version I played from that <laughs> lack of knowledge. There. Josh, you finished this game today. Yeah, <laughs> I know this. Uh, so this was your first time of playing it. Yeah, first time playing it. Um, I mean, the, the time like two thousand nine. I I hadn't even played any entry in the series at that point so i wasn't about to dive into uh silent hill homecoming which at the time was getting kind of like a mediocre reaction um yeah and um honestly if it wasn't for this podcast series that we're doing um i'm not entirely sure i ever would have touched uh, silent hill homecoming um so yeah I'm, i'm glad i have because it it gives me a much more Mm. Um, full appreciation of the series, um, you know, mm. all the all the peaks and valleys. But um, yeah, um, yeah, uh, that's it really. Which format? Uh, PS3. Yeah. Uh, yes, I was. Uh, I was the same. Um, I was sl- somewhat prejudiced against it back in back in two thousand eight. Also, the reason I had really very little interest in playing it was because at this point. If you'll recall, I still hadn't completed Silent Hill mm-hmm. 2, hadn't started Silent Hill 3, hadn't touched Silent Hill 4, so it seemed a bit crazy to jump back in at Homecoming and play the first Western-developed entry in the series. Um, even though, actually, you know, the reviews were largely somewhat positive. It, they, they were... Uh, uh, the game ranking score is in the 70s, I believe. Um, it got some decent reviews, some less, uh, less favourable, but very few um, really disastrous ones and very few really outstanding ones. Um, and I must admit um, that when we first started talking about doing Silent Hill on Cana Rince, this was probably about three years ago now, <laughs> or best part of... Um, I was quite against actually even continuing beyond the Team Silent ones. Mm. And it was really Carl um, who was keen that we do the entire series. And I I think now, having done it, having played it, I think he was absolutely right in that it is... It's firstly, it's more like the Kane and Rince way. I mean, we can't always be as completely comprehensive on any every series as mm. we like, just because of time. But I think with this series, I think it does make sense to kind of trace it right up until what may very well be the end, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, depending on what ha- happens with uh, with the, the forthcoming Silent Hills now. Um, 
if that even still becomes a thing. But we decided we would go through uh, Homecoming, Shattered uh, Memories, and uh, Downpour, and uh, and Origins as well, of course. Um, and yeah, the only the only individual title we're not giving its own podcast is uh, Book of Memories. Yeah. Memories. Yeah. Um, so yes, I was prejudiced, and I was skeptical, and I had. I had no interest, uh, but yet I bought it uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, online uh, along with Downpour and had it sent to me and I played it over the last week and finished it at the weekend. Uh, so there we have it. Yes, this game, as we said, came out um, early 2009 in, in Europe, a uh, good th- four months after it arrived in America. Um, never released in Japan, is that right? I think that's what, that's what I read. <laughs> yeah. So not only, not only did it get <laughs> thrown out of Japan as a development, it got thrown out as a release. Um, I mean, y- you can understand the Xbox 360 version not coming out in Japan, sure, but, yeah. but the PS3 version seems, yeah, that seems surprising to me. Um, also the Australian uh, version um, was delayed further to March and even May um for different formats um, because of censorship issues. Um, it's one of the uh, territories where they can be quite sensitive about certain things, along with Germany. Um, and I think it's the very humanoid nature of some of the enemies mm-hmm. and the fact that you can physically scar them with your attacks uh, prove problematic. So I believe there's a censored version out in Australia. Um, and I think there was even sort of um, governmental action to remove uh, import copies from... <laughs> from from uh you know distribution so because obviously people could import eu power copies because it's power region over there but um i believe that people stepped in to try to stop that happening how successful they were i don't know uh now the pc version i know very little about other than i noticed that its average review score is way lower than the console version (laughs) so i'm going to assume uh technical troubles with that could be but it's also still full price like when last time oh, really? I, yeah because i was i was thinking uh, when we had put these up on the calendar that i would try the um the pc version just to see and i checked it and it's still well not full price but it's still 40 dollars over here which is you know for a 2008 game seems a bit excessive so okay but due warning um not that we're basing our coverage on review scores but i think it's worth pointing out to um potential you know it could be a potential pitfall to our listeners if people no longer have a 360 or a ps3 but are intrigued to try this game out Mm. the average game ranking for the pc version is 59.38 percent which is uh, a good 12 percent lower than the console versions now it's that's based on far fewer reviews but Mm. in my um, without reading every review it sounds like something's up anyway so uh, we can't say for sure but so um now, a very interesting topic, this, uh, that I know less about than some of the most hardcore Silent Hill fans. And in fact, you could say that about everything to do with any of these games. I am not a hardcore Silent Hill fan, even though soon I'm going to have played almost every game in the series. <laughs> uh, associate producer Tom Hewlett mm-hmm. um, was uh, heavily involved in uh, Shattered Memories um, after this. But I believe with this game, having listened to a very interesting um, podcast... Uh, or the start of it, um, a podcast called Voices in the Static, which is all about... This is uh, an obsessive, uh, dedicated Silent Hill um, uh, historical society is the name of the website, and and they have a podcast, and they they interviewed uh, Tom Hewlett. 
they were specifically talking to him about the the then forthcoming downpour and the then forthcoming Silent Hill Revelation uh, mm. Revelations movie, which they were very excited for. <laughs> Bless them, <laughs> naivete. Um, but it was really interesting because, as I understand it, and again, this is just based on a few things I've read here and there. Tom Hewlett's name was kind of mud yeah. because uh, a lot of the fans of the series who were concerned about the, you know, the westernization of the game and so on thought that it was him who'd come on and kind of <laughs> ruined it for everyone. Mm-hmm. But actually listening to this podcast and then reading the comments from the very serious Silent Hill fans underneath, it seems as though, if anything, and this is mainly according to him, so we have to take it with a pinch of mm-hmm. salt, he was the one that rescued the game to, a, to an extent from the disaster it might have been <laughs> in terms of its authenticity to the to the source to the lore yeah yeah he was talking yeah. about it being it was originally set up as a trilogy and yeah. that it was going to be him meeting up with um uh, the characters from three and four like henry and like this yep. would have gotten it sounded like it was going to be really ridiculous but again it's totally as you said it's only his word so yeah I, I i was wondering about how the other guys on the on the double helix team if they heard that podcast were going well hang on a minute you didn't you didn't save it so he's describing himself as the biggest silent hill fan at konami Mm -hmm. right this is these are his words pretty much um he's but he's talking about um how the the game when he arrived was full of links back to the previous games mm-hmm. as uh, as we said including things like there's a character in it called L she was going to be Laura from Silent right, Hill yep. 2 grown up <laughs> all this stuff um Pyramid Head who does make an appearance uh, appearance um was going to be all over this game mm-hmm. um and I know that his appearance is controversial in the sense that it's some people think it's bad because some Silent Hill fans think it's bad because he only appears briefly. Some Silent Hill fans think it's bad because Makes he no appears sense. at all because yeah. he's yeah because he's James's right. He's James's thing. Yeah, but of course he's in the movie and here in the, and uh, the movie was two thousand six and this game was two thousand eight and a number of the designs and the way that the other world transformations happen in this game look very much like what happened in the movie. So there was obviously an influence there. Um, so the director uh, to this uh, is credited as uh, Cordy Reason, who is, um, yeah, he, he's the guy who came from uh, the collective, as it was, and worked on games like uh, G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra uh, and the Da Vinci Code. Um, but actually, most of the interviews you see are with lead designer Jason Allen. Now, he's a British guy, so it's, it's unfair to, to lump any criticism on the Americans because uh, Jason Allen is most, direct, uh, is most definitely listening to his accent from the north of England. Um, and he's got an interesting CV, actually. Some of his previous projects include the, uh, frankly, amazing, te- uh, technically at least, version of Quake 2 on the PlayStation 1. Um, and also he worked on Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. So, um, you know, interesting. Uh and the writers obviously were, uh, you know, again, probably in for some criticism from from fans based on the story that they told. And we'll come on to whether it was successful or not. Uh, Patrick J. Doody and Chris Valenciano, who always work as a I believe they always work as a as a pair. Um, but actually, they've they, they seem to be sort of a pair of um, polymaths and they, they have multiple credits. They do a lot of TV production work and things like that. So. Not necess- they, they do have writing credits for other things, um, such as like um, the Scream Awards, so like horror, horror awards ceremonies, 
stuff like that. Um, and they wrote uh, Battle Chatter for the Call of Duty World at War and stuff like that. So not necessarily um, a sort of great CV of horror writing as such. Um, and who knows? I, I, you know, I have no way without scouring every interview, interview on the internet of knowing if they were, you know, massive Silent Hill fans or not. Um, thankfully, Probably. Akira Yamaoka returned on uh, scoring duties, but the sound design um, was left to uh, another fella by the name of Eric Ocampo. So it sounds like the development may have been... Troubled. <laughs> Troublesome? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think uh, the, the sort of rumours of the next game in the series, as you'd expect, go all the way back to... Um, Silent Hill 4. Obviously, in the meantime, we had Origins, which we covered on a previous podcast. Um, and then, obviously, as we say, the Christopher Gontz movie mm. came along and sort of... Well, it didn't rewrite things, but it perhaps gave us... It gave future developers something yeah. else they had to perhaps think that they had to factor into the to the game. So... Um, so, so let's let's go to where we start the game. And we start the game on a gurney. Um, first person looking down at our body, which appears to be in army fatigues. We can hear um, we can hear war going off outside what looks like a bunker, and we appear to be sort of being cranked through into some sort of nightmarish horror bunker. Um, it's it's hard to know exactly what's going on at this point, and I guess that's that's the idea. Um, we are to assume we are uh, a soldier, which um, again in this interview, Tom Hewlett said. This could have been a fantastic idea, having a like a, a post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress-disordered soldier going to Silent Hill and dealing with that. Um, but actually, <laughs> and this is where your spoiler warning comes in, he never was a soldier. He's actually a mental patient who believes he was a soldier. He wears his father's dog tags. Um, an inconsistency is, of course, that this is a game where, for the first time ever, your character appears to have at least some sort of rudimentary combat training. Mm-hmm. Uh, which doesn't make any sense because he's a mental patient who <laughs> yeah. never had anything to do with his father, who was uh, who was a military person. Yeah. So and the and that excuse uh, falls flat for me because honestly, like I think this might be the worst combat in the series, in my opinion. Anyway, I, I couldn't. Stand You're it. well ahead of schedule. I know, here. I know, but I'm. Not, I'm not, <laughs> just had to get it out. Ugh. All right. Go ahead. All go right. On. The real. Well, <laughs> it was building Def- up for too long. <laughs> uh, you and I may disagree about that, okay. but that's okay. But let's 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 focus yeah, on the yeah. scenario at the moment. Um, so we wake up that the opening section, which is kind of, you know kind of a tutorial and plunges you into some familiar situations. Um, I actually thought it was uh, reasonably effective. I felt disoriented, mm-hmm. slightly scared. Um, unfortunately, you know, you wake up and it was all a dream. <laughs> um, and in fact, you're being delivered to a town called Shepherd's Glen by. The protagonist from the previous game, Silent Hill Origins, who's aged quite a bit. Uh, what <laughs> yeah. year is this set? Do we know? It's. I mean, it must be. Is it nineties again or or two thousands? Thinking about the tech, um, it's obviously well past Silent Hill two three times, isn't it? I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know? I mean, it, it, there's it's some never older tellies made clear. Whereas Silent Hill Origins, you're drawn to the time straight away, and the only reference I believe in mm. Homecoming is purely based on Travis. Yeah, um, and actually, I didn't. I got to admit, I didn't really. Even though I've only just recently played Origins, um, I 
kind of didn't realize that was Travis. And <laughs> yeah. then, I, so then I thought, oh, truck. Yeah, okay. I mean, goodness me, what is he still doing driving that route? <laughs> uh, apparently the game is set uh, a year before it came out, so autumn 2007. So mm. that would make Travis, I guess, in his 50s or something sure. like that. If yeah. he was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I suppose that kind of, kind of works. Um, so you play uh, uh, Alex Shepard who we believe is looking for his uh, missing brother. Um, so, chaps, how do you feel about the setup, the character, the overall scenario? I mean, the the one thing I noticed straight away is that this is probably the best voice acting yes. in the series so far, but that's not really saying much. Um, I, like... I mean, the the last Silent Hill game I, I played for this uh, podcast series was um, Silent Hill Four, and the the voice acting in that was just the, abominable, <laughs> like really awful. So to go from that to this was a welcome relief because it, it felt like everyone, like Alex, emotes for one, which is great. Uh, and, and Brian I, Bloom as Alex, uh, yeah. uh, uh, not usually a starring voice actor, but he's yeah. done a lot of voice acting he in was, cartoons. Um, and, and he was uh, B.J. Blazkowicz uh, in uh, yeah. uh, Wolfenstein: The New Order. Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, yeah no, I, I think he does a fine job. Uh, with what he's given um I, I think my problem is that although this has the probably the best voice acting of the series it also probably has the worst writing of the series <laughs> so far um like silent hill 2 despite like the really awkward kind of performances there was there was something there there was something in the script that that could have come out if Every you know all the all mm. the talent the voice talent was a little bit um, a little bit better and a little better directed and what have you. Whereas with this, there's a lot of cliche dialogue and just like the the black um, deputy Wheeler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just really <laughs> oh, like just yeah, <laughs> you know, a huge stereotype. Um, Terrible. And, yeah. and and a lot of the other characters, I I, I barely remember like half of what they've said um and they and they do a terrible job of making you attached to Josh as a character like he's mm, he's just mm-hmm. kind of a macguffin really he's just a a character that moves the plot along rather than somebody you really get invested with and considering how important that character is to Alex it's a real shame that we never really got to know him or like got any sense of what he meant to him other than spoilers later on it it turns out alex is responsible for his death mm. um yeah I, it's it's weird it's like we swapped oh you know one positive and negative for another positive and negative it's really awkward i wasn't a huge fan of alex but given that we had henry only two games earlier and he is one of the worst characters that i can remember in a in a game uh there was you know that that it's not all bad but Josh is right, the voice acting isn't that bad at all for a Silent Hill title. Uh, It's comically good, uh, in fact, because the one thing that the game's become synonymous with was obviously that that sort of dodgy writing, and I don't know if that's something that was benefited by going to a a newly funded Western developer uh, or not, but I, I would assume that some of the budgeting went in towards actual quality voice acting, and it completely shines through. Uh, it's just a shame that so many plot points are wasted on pointless characters that 
you're not necessarily any better off for knowing. Yeah, uh, I mean the cast is full of uh, names that you might know if you uh, if you look into voice acting credits lists. It's not full of stars. They didn't spend lots of money on having you know a big uh, current you know hip A list star or something in it. But it is all people that you might recognise from yeah other voice work, cartoons and animations and and some some TV work uh, you know uh, as um, non recurring characters and stuff like that. And um, yeah, for the most part, I felt they did all right. I mean, it's one of the first things we talked about with origins was the fact that it was you know even if the script wasn't uh you know like pin sharp exactly um or you know or or the story was in any you know in any great sense uh, a fantastic work it was just nice to not have protagonists that sounded like they were uh on sort of downers you know just <laughs> or, or in some sort Wait of trance. until you play silent hill for leon you're in for a treat. Uh, well, yeah, I've I've seen I've seen snatches enough to know. Um, yeah, so that yeah, if I get round, if I ever get back to it, just to complete the set. Yeah. Um, so the story, uh, such as it is, goes off um, from the side of the saga that we know from really. Uh, so Silent Hill One, Silent Hill Three, and Silent Hill origins mm-hmm. so not two and four it's those three games plus this one which relate to the 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 order yeah. the cult uh the the <clears throat> demon uh and all that stuff that we've yeah we've been relatively um we i think we've said you know if we, if there was a consensus we're all different people but i think there's a if there's a consensus that it's all kind of silly but mm-hmm. kind of fun yeah. Um, it has some really, you know, daft elements, but if you go with it, there's 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 enjoyment to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, this story, obviously, they felt that they wanted to uh, have something which related to previous Silent Hills to draw people in, but also it had to not do anything. Well, but the, it's it's difficult to say because the version that we might have played may have kind of pooped all over mm. its predecessors <laughs> in some way, but actually the tweaks that it sounds like uh, were made late on meant that this story kind of exists completely separate. I mean, yeah. it, it kind of, it doesn't matter to the rest of the story, whether this happened or not, even yeah. though it relates to it. Pretty much the only real connection is just the order though, right? They don't even mention Alessa or any kind of uh, yeah. thing like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of the problems for me with this, with th- this time around with the order, I guess is uh, that while the other ones were like, as you said, silly and can be silly and can be fun. This one is a little like they like they took it a little too serious and dark, I guess. Like and dealing with like all mm. these child murders and uh, you know, it just it felt like it couldn't be. It, this one wasn't really silly anymore. It was just kind of ugh, like just a little too dark. And, I and guess. it's also yeah. a little bit strange because the order actually relates to their actions outside of Silent Hill rather than inside. Mm. So mm-hmm. it, that sort of feels a bit strange when you've encountered the order so many times in, in the previous games, and you realise that that is a, a core element of the law of Silent Hill itself, and yet they use it for this game on Shepherd's Glen. It, it, that never felt like it sat quite right. It was just using another reference point in the same way we, you know you had Pyramid mm-hmm. Head or Travis. It was just something to relate to other Silent Hill yeah. titles. If it didn't mm-hmm. have it, you could have quite easily have just dropped the Silent Hill name altogether. 
Yeah, so the the basic outline is this story goes that a a, a bunch of uh people from Silent Hill many uh many years ago uh decided to form a breakaway community and but their their penitence for doing so was to have to sacrifice the odd child um the four founding families of Shepherd's Glen and uh, a nearby community would have to sacrifice uh one of their children um and uh in a special you know in a certain way to appease the the Samael the demon uh, from the previous games um and actually the yeah the point here is that it was uh it was supposed to be uh Alex who yeah. was sacrificed um by drowning but in fact uh what happened was that um he uh, accidentally uh, drowns his own brother in a boating accident, um, which kind of ruins everything for everyone, and that's why, <laughs> that's why uh, you know everything goes to heck in Shepherd's Glen in a Silent Hill style. Um, I don't know, <laughs> you know, it's it's hokum, but it's yeah. it's yeah. it's no more or less hokumy than than the original Team Silent mm. stories for me. <laughs> so uh, I didn't feel offended by it, and no. and kind of that's how I I started. Um, you know, the, this is one of those games that you go into, and we always try to go in with an open mind, and we try to go in uh, and without, you know, regarding too much what we consider to be the general consensus of opinion towards a game, because we always find out, as we will later, that the consensus towards a game is kind of meaningless, and our perception of what the consensus is is usually wrong. But I went in, you know, kind of, even though I was thinking, I, I, I hope I'm going to enjoy this genuinely, because why would I not want to enjoy this? As we've said many times, we don't we don't want to waste ten hours of our life playing a game we hate. We want to go in and, and have a good time with it. So after the first um, the first segment, the first half an hour, the first hour, I was sort of pleasantly surprised. I was thinking, this is not offending me. <laughs> I was actually enjoying some elements of it, like yeah. the fact that again, coming from the last um, generation games that we've been playing. Even the PSP one, pressing Y in this case, in my case, to go into the map was instantaneous. There was mm-hmm. none of that yeah. kind of huge pause where you get the sound effect of a map being brought out while it slowly draws in the picture of the map and all this <laughs> sort of thing. And going through doors, oh, it's so quick, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> um, very few uh, sort of loading animations, all this sort of thing. So just these niceties. This is the first game on uh, this generation of hardware. Um, you know, the graphics were higher definition, whether they have the artistry or not is something we'll talk about now. Um, I actually thought that for the most part, visually, it looks like a game from 2008. Sure. Yeah. But I thought there, I thought there were some bits that were quite visually effective. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it, it takes some from the film for sure. It's got the, you know, the underground sections very much, uh, of the rust and, and the fire showing through, um, perhaps the even the mist outside, I'd say, is slightly less effective than the mist in the in Silent Hill Two on the PS Two, uh, mm. and, and it takes on the smoke uh, motif yeah. of the film as well. But overall, apart from the fact that the torch is the worst torch <laughs> yeah. that's ever been made, I was say that, yeah. this is a military grade angled. <laughs> flashlight mm-hmm. right and it it lights up about three inches in front of your face um so that's quite annoying yeah. but yeah um again visually i didn't again you know we're coming at a point where we've all been playing for the last year or two now ps4 games and high-end pc mm-hmm. games so you, there is a little step backwards 
but overall I thought visually it was not a disaster. <laughs> it wasn't, but I, I was struck by how much of it I had already seen before. Yeah. Uh, in a way that I had never felt in any of the previous uh, Silent Hill games. Like, for all the, you know, the criticisms I had with Silent Hill 4, that game is not lacking in imagination. <laughs> yeah. like, that mm. game is filled with ideas, whereas this feels not just in the uh, art direction, but just the story in every inch of the game, really, it feels like it's desperately trying to copy the greatest hits of the series. And by drawing attention to the greatest moments of the series, you're you're comparing it to those moments, and it, it comes up short. So... While while it is great to walk around the the uh, the foggy you know the foggy town of Silent Hill and it be in high definition, uh, it's not going to be as affecting as it was the first time you did it in uh, Silent Hill One, and then it, to a much greater extent in Silent Hill Two, and a lot of the enemies as well, like the nurses, which had such symbolic value in Silent <laughs> Hill 2 are just there because, well, it's a Silent Hill game, we've got to have nurses in and there somewhere. And now they're buxom because they have to be because they're buxom in the film. Yeah. There's no psychosexual content here, there's nothing <laughs> yeah. about Alex's story yeah. which is to do with um, fear of sexuality or, or, or anything or, or repression or anything mm. like that they are just big busted Silent Hill nurses because Big busted Silent Hill nurses. Which, again, yeah. when it comes to the combat, it seems it just looks really awkward to be constantly stabbing them right in the chest over and over and putting scars all over them. It just really. Uh, Were you always gross. in for the biggest target, Sean? <laughs> combat 101. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, most of his knife swipes are at. Um, uh, at that sort of a height um yeah uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that kind of neatly brings us on to the to the enemies uh, while we're talking about the visuals um there's a f- we've had a few different comments uh, that they will come on to later about you know how they felt about them um again obviously there's the um the fact that the the order members this is the first time you fight actual humans um their design pretty much comes out of the films in that they're wearing these sort of retro um sort of fire retardant suits and gas masks um I actually, again, I didn't mind this. I thought this was an okay element. Why not yeah. have to fight the Order members? Um, uh, and some of the enemies, I thought, were more effective than others. Um, in you know, regardless of the combat, which we'll come on to, uh, I thought they were quite well animated. Um, mm-hmm. Again, they had freakish enough elements to convince me that they were from a Silent Hill game. Yeah. Now, obviously, they'd stepped away from the that particularly uh, sort of oily, dirty, greyish, fleshy look that previous games. They were a bit more generic mm-hmm. in that they were kind of more pinkish. And the dogs, I mean, the dogs, the ferals no, the are just are, lame. Yeah, uh, they're yeah, just, just red dogs. Yeah, yeah Resident <laughs> Evil rejects. But some of them, uh, I'm, I'm mixed feelings about the split banana head people with the penises. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But the the the, cli- the the clicky ones with the with the spikes, uh, I thought they were quite effectively mean. Um, the smogs were, again were like something out of like a more rec- recent Resident Evil, more than mm. yeah. more than a Silent Hill. But um, I don't know. I'd, I yeah. Uh, I, I guess like everything to me, they felt like a. As, as something of a like a slightly pale imitation of a Silent Hill thing, but yeah. for all that, not 
again, not a disaster, I, mean, I didn't think. I didn't really have too much of an issue with the visual style. I actually quite liked the uh, the, the effect of going into the other world. I mean, it does straight riff from the movie, mm. but it, it works all right. It looks oh, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. I like and that. That yeah. was one of my major criticisms of Origins. Um and it will be one of my major criticisms of Shattered Memories. So it's kind of weird that this is the one that nestles in the middle and did a better job of that transition for me. Mm. Uh, the characters were predictable in that they were kind of unoriginal. It, it, it's like someone who doesn't actually have a feeling for the Silent Hill uh, style, just drawing something in what he imagines yeah. that style should be. My only yeah. real issue with any of the cast was with Margaret, uh, Margaret Holloway, the judge, who, for me, felt too young. I don't know, she just looked younger than she should be for that character. You know, she's Mm. one of the uh, Mm. sort of found, not the founders, but one of the senior people of that town who's overseeing everything. You know, you're friends with her daughter, Elle. There doesn't seem that much difference in their age. She's much older, did she? Yeah, 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 exactly. And especially when you come from prior Silent Hill games where you had Dahlia Gillespie who is really old um, in comparison it just didn't feel that I found that kind of off-putting um, mm. yeah so that that sort of bothered me more than anything else which is really strange but one thing I will bring up whilst we're talking about the graphics or, or the realisation of the world as you explore it is I think probably my biggest criticism of Origins was that you could miss so many items Mm. They weren't mm. highlighted. You, they weren't obvious that you could collect yeah. in this. You know, uh, he'll look at the items he'll, or he'll turn his head towards an item that you can pick up. There's a faint glow. They actually stand out more. That made a huge difference in my enjoyment of exploring the world uh, compared to, to the previous game. But um, I, I probably aren't as harsh as josh when i say about walking around silent hill um it's always been one of my favorite things to do i think this game actually didn't do too bad of a job of well yeah you know, of, of exploring that environment should i say not not silent hill per se but the actual town uh that, that's something that fell completely flat in origins it sort of came back with this one uh but it, it falls so short i mean there's quite clearly two quadrilogies to the silent hill games um and it's very clear to anyone who who sees them between the eastern developed ones and the western developed ones, and there is definitely something missing in the soul of the town as you explore it. Sure, as you'd expect. Mm. Although I suppose, yeah, I mean, you could say Shattered Memories is something of an outlier. Although, yeah, yeah. it's it's obviously, I mean, yeah, it's a reboot. Anyway, we'll come on to that in, in a future well, podcast. Um, with regards to the enemies, though, uh, I think I agree with you guys about how the the generic and the regular enemies look, but I actually think the boss design is kind of in line with some of the older games. Um, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, I, maybe I, not I so much the first one with the hanging the hanging flesh bags everywhere, yeah. but at least the second one with the doll mask and the mm. human centipede one, like it's it, it's easy to play uh, this in 2015 and see that human centipede monster yeah. and think human centipede, but this actually came out before the first movie did. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, at the time, like that was super gross to look at. Grotesque, and, yeah. 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 And I actually, um, I was going into that particular boss fight that you mentioned with the doll who is i forget the name of which Fitch, daughter Scarlet. Uh, Fitch, Fitch, Scarlet. Scarlet Scarlet Fitch, Fitch yeah. um 
I was I was forewarned because I'd kind of read ahead somewhat through my in my research that this was going to mm. be like the worst boss fight in the game. This was going to be the, the difficulty <laughs> yeah. spike. So actually, I went in expecting um, an absolute nightmare, um, but because I'd, I'd saved up a few health items and, and whatever, um, actually, I ended up quite enjoying it because although the gameplay was uh, not exactly spectacular, we still haven't talked mm. about the combat. Um, I thought, again, the effect of smashing away the doll-like shell from her outer and revealing the flesh underneath looked really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And the lighting in that room was was effective. And again, you know, like, repeatedly we've come back to, um, you know, how much different games in the series have or haven't affected us. Um, And overall, I think, you know, again, I I wasn't exactly sitting there wetting my pants throughout this game, (laughs) but I felt overall slightly more on edge than i had done uh, mm. with origins um i think there were there were enough elements even though that was a more faithful silent hill game in some ways this for me for whatever reason just had a few more elements that that tickled my scare button mm. and i think maybe that was partly this is the first silent hill game with a 5.1 mix as well so playing it mm. in surround sound um and i think the sound design overall you know the non-music um Mm-hmm. Eric Ocampo's sound yeah. design again was pretty strong like the steam the clanking the metal um, again perhaps it was all a bit more obvious than what Akira sure, Yamoka yeah. would have done but in a in a kind of generic horror way it reminded mm-hmm. me of um, I mean yeah we're talking about horror influences uh, obviously Human Centipede isn't one because as you say it came before but I think the, the most obvious influences in this game were the sort of the popular you know Hostel Saw yeah sort of totally t- yeah. the, the yeah. quotes torture porn movies from that era um, but also things like the uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street I think was an influence with the mm. you know when when um, when they're running around in the in the sort of furnace with Freddy chasing them and stuff yeah. like that I think so again in a generic horror-y kind of way I thought it was you know moderately effective and I feel like we're going to say that all the way through this podcast (laughs) because I honestly like Silent Hill Homecoming really doesn't have the the valleys of some of the earlier entries of the series like I, I I think it's consistent throughout in terms of quality it just it it just doesn't do anything original or yeah. um or just anything particularly spectacular like i can i the thing is you know with silent hill 2 we can point out certain bits that weren't so good like the voice acting and stuff like that but the fact that the storytelling was so ahead of its time kind yeah. of elevated that whereas with this everything's just kind of you know, tootling along at an even pace, and you're like, it's it's fine, it's doing all right, but I ca- I can't really that doesn't invest me in the game. Like it's mm. just it's just it sounds like such a boring like a hot, a rubbish piece of criticism. But like I come away from the art, like the sound design and and um, just the level design and and the combat, just going, it's just a bit uninteresting. And and that I really hate that I'm saying that because it, it doesn't really yeah. say anything. Like it's a it's kind of a meaningless statement. But I'm just I come away from this game going, you know, just shrugging. Like I, if this game didn't exist, it wouldn't bother me. But the fact that I played <laughs> it doesn't really offend me all you've, that much. You've just completely yeah. stolen my summary. <laughs> that that was it. Yeah, um, thinking, Liam. Right, well, let's. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, come up with a new one. Um, 
no, but let's ask then. Do you think um, this is this is kind of um, supposition, extrapolation, whatever you want to call it? Um, the law of diminishing returns is is that what's mm. at play here? Is I it think that so. actually, even if Team Silent had made this exact same game almost, but with their touch, we'd be saying the same things. It's like, well, we've kind of done this lots of times already. Yeah. They kind of run out of ideas. They kind of, you know, they're they're getting more and more influenced by Hollywood and the Silent Hill movie. You know, could it would it have been any different, any better? I guess maybe what we're going to come back to is what we were saying before, which is if they'd done the Silent Hill 2 thing of just continuing to tell completely isolated stories mm-hmm. with each one and changing yeah. the look and feel somewhat, but maintaining consistency. I don't know. Spitball, I, I guys. I think it's, it's <laughs> certainly a valid point and it's something that's often overlooked when people immediately go to criticise the you know, the latter games in the in the Silent Hill franchise because it's something that Team Silent themselves made clear prior to Silent Hill 4 is that they were worried about treading over the same stuff that was in the well was two dry, and so they three went, and they yeah. needed to make a change. You know, it, it's hard when you've yeah. got people criticising 4 for not being 2 and 3 and then you criticise the later games for saying, well, you know... You're kind of just yeah. trying to be two and three, but now you're too western. It's uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. There were some things I, f- I felt that, that that felt different. Like interesting. What was interesting, I thought, was in the the opening segment, which turns out to be a nightmare. Like the, the layout of the rooms, the way you try doors, and eighty percent of the doors are locked, and the way the corridors are all laid out. <laughs> that felt classic Silent Hill. But actually, yeah. some of the areas later yes. in the game. There's a, there's a different pacing to them. There's a different shaping to them. And again, Double Helix, you know, again, this is, this is, this is me fessing up to being a bad, prejudiced person. But like before I played um, Killer Instinct, their, their version, which mm, now they've actually mm-hmm. now handed over to Iron Galaxy, who, who I think are amazing. Like I went into that thinking, oh, this is going to be awful. Double Helix made it. <laughs> Even yeah. though I had, no, I had no real basis for that. Um, and actually, I think they did an okay with jo- job with Killer Instinct and Strider, and, Strider. and Strider, so uh, it, uh, and like I don't think any of them are brilliant, but I think they are competent. You know, I think yeah. they have they seem to have issues with um, pacing and difficulty spikes and things like that. But their level design, I think, and and stuff is 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 pretty decent. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very much with you in, in regards to that. I think that I was very happy at the at the start of homecoming because it immediately felt like old silent hill in, in terms of its design and that did sort of dissipate over the whole adventure but it, it's this thing that we keep mentioning there's just something missing we're back to x factor yeah. which is which mm-hmm. is very poor uh, as you know we're trying to be erudite eloquent podcasters here <laughs> yeah. and we're trying to explain what we do and don't like but it's like music, it's like film, it's like yeah. art, it's like literature. Sometimes there is an indefinable quality that that, that we you know we haven't got the right words for. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's important that we try. But I mean, <laughs> but it, it, it's not like people, it's not like we're yeah. mentioning that this X factor is what's ma- stopping a bad game from being a good game. It's sure. it's that yeah. thing that's that's that very fine amount that takes a game that's that arguably good. To, to those little bits that are, there's mm. just something special about them. Why? I, I, mm. I think it's mm. always more than just one thing. I think it's lots of little things done really, really well. Um, polish or uh, originality or, or 
de- detailing yeah, some, yeah, something details, that's truly yeah. creative from the mind of someone who is a true creator or you know artisan of his yeah. craft yeah I mean, at the end of the day, like I, I think most uh, consumers of art can feel when an artist is invested in the project yeah. there, that mm. that you're seeing in front of you. And even though Silent Hill Four, there are sections of Silent Hill Four that are a lot worse than anything that's in Silent Hill Homecoming. But I yes. felt mm-hmm. like the people who made that game cared about that game a, a great deal. And it, it really felt like all the way through uh, Silent Hill Homecoming that this this game was kind of cobbled together last minute. like, And it was competently done, but like, I, I'm not sure how much love went into this project. Um, I, I'd love to hear more interviews um, and, and stuff. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a fair few out there. Yeah. I mean, as, with, with, as always, with the games that are more recent, there's a lot more resource on the internet for, yeah. for finding this stuff out. You don't have to, you know, leaf through your back issues of retro game or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it is interesting, that, that, that Tom Hewlett thing, because it sounds like it was a lot... It You know, he makes it sound like it was a lot worse before he came on board in terms of it it like it it didn't have any um again i i i balk at using this word but it didn't have any soul it it sounded like mm. it was pure fan service and it was interesting um again sometimes i do this sometimes i don't but i did watch zero punctuations review of this before making this podcast and uh, ben croshaw um you know kind of particularly singled out the 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 first um pyramid head moment as the most egregious bit of you know howdy 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 yeah, fan yeah. service <laughs> but actually again if we're to believe what tom hewlett said uh, it could have been pyramid head could have been there all the way through and maybe that would have been worse <laughs> i mean just like i i don't think that this is an awful game you know but there's probably, given that I played it near launch and Sean played it near launch, there's one big defining feature, and it's something that I'm going to use that will lead us into the weapons and the combat section of the discussion. Mm. And it's that between the time that Sean played it, because America got it first, or North America, sorry, yeah. and the time we got it, there was another horror game that came out, and it's probably the best one of the entire entirety of the last generation, and that is Dead Space. <laughs> And it's, you know, I played Dead Space near launch, so I actually went from Dead Space to Silent Hill Homecoming. So you're seeing two sides of horror, Mm. both developed by Western designers, both with similar sort of enemies in the way that they move oddly, but one was really creative in how it went about its combat and its environment and its atmosphere and its movement, and it's there were so many things that felt so polished about Dead Space that going from that and playing this, it's like, well, this is Silent Hill in that there's something still quite a bit wonky about the design, yeah. but it's mostly yeah. solid. You know, as Josh said, it has it has no real lows. It has no real highs. It's happy treading water where it is for the, the game. You know, it, it's consistent. I'll give it that. But when you go from something that is yeah. clearly cared for, like Dead Space, that definitely had a big impact on my thoughts on this game at launch. And obviously, yeah. since then, we've had other titles, and time mm. is never that nice to, to so many games. Uh, certainly not this kind of title. So I think for but me, even, it even really Dead Space, hurt. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like, um, you know, we, we try to avoid saying, you know, one game is better than another. But I think we'd probably all say we enjoyed Dead Space more than Silent Hill Homecoming. I mean, I was purely only using that as a comparison of the fact that that, the, absolutely. The, you know that originality, the way that the combat was introduced in, in uh, Dead Space, yeah, yeah. with the, the removal of the limbs and really feeling like whilst you were always weak in that environment, you essentially had control because it was clever. And, and this was yeah. like, well, you know, I've got a pipe, bosh, I can hit people again, Ooh, pistol, bang. You know, it wasn't different, other than it had light and heavy melee hits. Mm. Yeah. I mean, De- Dead Space, we, we covered this, by the way, uh, listeners, way back in uh, Kane Rince issue 9, which was uh, November 2011. So our opinion, you know, it's interesting because we talk about our podcast being, our issues being res- relatively timeless. But actually, if we revisited Dead Space now, maybe we'd have slightly different feelings about it four years on almost or three and a half years on. Um, but I feel like having played uh, Dead Space games more recently that, homecoming felt more like something out of the past whereas i still feel mm. like if i played dead space now it would feel fast and fresh yeah. and slick and it would look cool especially if i was playing it on the um you know pc version or something it was only two but having said that it was only two years ago that uh, dead space 3 came out and was greeted with a fairly muted reception you know for for right or wrong some people just weren't as taken with it as with its predecessors um, so maybe you know again diminishing returns too much of the same thing um, it's interesting but um, but I would agree that yes um, I think talking now specifically about that mechanical side away from X factors and uh, comparisons with other things I think the combat was again stuck in that difficult place where they knew it couldn't be a silent hill game if they went too far and yeah. you know turned it into yeah. and we joked about this on every one it, you know it can't be devil may cry you you can't have you know frame counting chain combos and stuff in a silent hill game because you've broken <laughs> yeah. you've broken silent hill but what you have here is a kind of halfway house um homogenous sort of co- coagulated attempt at something that is like an actual <laughs> fighting system yeah so you've got you've got some sort of combo you've got you know weak 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 hard and stuff like that um you've got a weapon wheel rather than having <laughs> to go into the menu you know, like fully press start select equip you can quickly flip between weapons so it's made concessions and my feeling was overall that i was i enjoyed I should or I should have enjoyed the combat in this game more than any other in the series but unfortunately and this is where I think Double Helix let themselves down they made Alex just not maneuverable enough to get out of the way of the vast majority of enemy attacks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you even if you're using the dodge button and you're and you're using the combos like yeah like the nurses and the um and the order members and the dogs actually you can take all of those out without losing any health just with a knife yeah, because you will knife, always yep. you will always break their animation but those clickety clackety things that go on the oh ceiling and go on the floor they've got this ridiculous sweep attack you can't yeah. hurt them from the front if you roll Mm-mm. to the side they follow you round and yeah. sometimes it puts you in a room with four or five of them <laughs> and yeah. it's i mean you just you will lose health you you have to save health items for that unless yeah. And ammo is... This is survivor horror because ammo is really scarce in this game. I found. 
Um, yeah, me too. You had to go hunting for it. Um, and a shotgun blast w- is your friend, but... Mm-hmm. It was just that frustration of they gave you enough to feel like you should be able to dodge these attacks, but then in certain confrontations with bosses and certain enemies, you would still just keep getting knocked over. And in some cases, it would even do the cardinal sin thing we've talked about on Kane Rince for years, which is it will do you a bit more damage before you can get up. Yeah. Oh, God. Worst combat, you say, Sean? Your, your least favorite combat in the series? Yeah, well, because, like... I could like obviously the older games had poor combat systems like they're just not good but I was never frustrated with it it was yeah. just like okay I'm just mashing a button and it's dead mm. um but in this in this one like you're saying with those the pincer pincer like enemies they're just I found it impossible and the loading screens tell you like you're it's basically you're supposed to wait to for their animation like it's kind of almost like uh dark souls or something like that you're supposed <laughs> to watch the enemy see how they swing and then you're supposed to you know, time your blocks and your dodges accordingly, but it never worked. At least yeah. for me, I was just always constantly getting hit, and it was just yeah, again getting knocked on the ground, and then them having an extra hit on top of that, being able, before you can get up, it's and having a a, uh, a quick jump to where like if you're knocked on the ground, it says look for the dust, and then you can jump back up. <laughs> but and you it can never, never see that. Like, yeah, you yeah. can never see, see it. it. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's always too dark, or yeah. yeah. And the, I mean, the, like this is the first Silent Hill game where you've got full control over the camera, and that's another thing that makes the game feel more like a a, a, a more recent game. It feels more like a third person game rather than a. I know they're all third person, but you know what I mean. It 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 doesn't feel like survival horror as much as it feels like a third person game. But again, thinking about dead space or something where you always feel like yeah occasionally in dead space you'd get attacked by something you couldn't see but generally you had it under control sure in this game like with the torch being so the flashlight being so weak and some and like generally the gamma was just incredibly low i cranked it right up um Mm -hmm. there were element there were areas where the camera would get crushed up against the wall and you just wouldn't have a clue what was going on yeah um Yeah. yeah bits like that just felt very um below par and unpolished and all that sort of thing i i just for me it was really disappointing that the reason why i was dreading certain types of enemies was simply because i just did not know their animation <laughs> uh, cycles and just couldn't attack them properly like um sean already meant uh, mentioned like the the pincer head people i always had to use guns against those guys yeah. because i just could not face them in uh, hand-to-hand combat and but then it would go from that extreme to another with the order members where oh, if yeah. you go up to them with a knife they just keep dodging like dodging around you yep. in circles and circles and you keep just killing them but like it, it was worse because sometimes they come in pairs and his friend is just standing Stand there. there watching you slice his friend to pieces <laughs> i was quite relieved yeah ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear yeah, it, it doesn't cover itself in glory um, yeah. overall. And yeah, uh, each weapon, uh, sorry, each enemy pretty much has a weapon that you'll want to use against that. So you've got a knife, mm-hmm. you've got a pipe, um, you've got an axe, and they're they're all upgradable, I think. Everything's upgradable yeah. from knife to ceremonial dagger, from uh, axe to whatever that special axe is called that you can breach walls with and things like that um but yeah and i sometimes i realized i was making work for myself by trying to use the axe because it felt fun when it hit um mm-hmm. even though it was really really slow and costing yeah. me um costing me time but but again i quite liked i must admit 
I quite like the scarring effect on the flesh. I yeah. thought that was pretty effective. And when I was when I was hitting, when I was, you know, when I was, <laughs> when it found that very rare sweet spot between enemies being either too annoying or too easy, um, right. and you'd occasionally get like a, you know, like a, 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 a cinematic kill or whatever, um, mm-hmm. that, that to me felt more fun than the old, you know, it, just slapping, 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 yeah, slapping, yeah. slapping, <laughs> oh, it's got up again. Slapping, slapping, <laughs> slapping, yeah. slapping of previous Silent Hills. I, I'm sure. I'm sure there are hardcore fans of the Silent Hill games out there who who are hating this. But I actually, you know, overall, I I I think they came closer to something I wanted to play. But mm-hmm. they ultimately, yeah. they ultimately blew. What it. I would say is that at least finishing off a downed enemy is consistent in this compared to uh, Origins, yeah. where I would play re- when playing it for the the podcast i was thinking that i'm sure you can down these enemies i found the online manual I, I looked at guides and i was pressing the right button it just didn't work the vast majority of the time and that was incredibly frustrating at least in this one when an enemy's downed and you press the button you will finish them off so so it had that yeah and and generally they went down quicker as well yeah. you know there was a lot less uh, and again maybe that you know in some ways i think some some silent hill fans real hardcore fans will say but that's not the point they should be relentless they should be you know difficult to see off they should keep coming back to life because it's it's frightening and and they may have a point but for me after having played multiple silent hill games in a row i was quite pleased that you know the radio static kicks in and you hack away at a nurse and she falls down dead and the radio crackle stops there's none of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's very little (laughs) of that but actually, having said that, there were a few occasions when, like, the split head guys, apologies to fans for not using the correct uh, nomenclature for all these enemies, um, they would spring back up and take you by surprise. I also thought there were some quite nice design sections where, which I don't really feel like uh, Team Silent ever used that much, which was where the radio is going off, but you can't see what it is or, mm. or or you can't access the area where the enemy is at first and then yeah, suddenly you access yeah. the area and then something will leap out at you um stuff like that was quite fun i thought um but yes on that subject of resources um i, I know a lot of the best stuff is kind of tucked away um and there's there's something new in this game as well as you know multiple types of ammo for multiple guns and like previous games you can completely miss some of the weapons um, and indeed, there's a point later on in the game where you become imprisoned, where you can, as I did, fail to get your weapons back and end up oh. without <laughs> without the uh, without all the gear you've already had. So I got the room, room 302 key, which apparently is what you need to get all your mm. upgraded shotgun and pistol back. Um, but I missed the opportunity to go into that room because I, I got to a cutscene and then you can't go back. Oh, so I ended yeah. up, I ended up um, basically doing the final boss with... Um, the hunting rifle that you find along the way and then a lot of stabbing with the ceremonial dagger, (laughs) uh, which took a while. Um, But yes, this game brings in something new, which is the serums, Mm -hmm. uh, of which there are six, I think, dotted throughout the game. Um, Some of them you will almost certainly find, but several of which are very missable. Um, and what I didn't realise at first, it's not that apparent, but not only do they actually extend your overall health bar 
in 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 a way that's never been seen in a Silent Hill game before. Um, and on uh, by the way, it's also the first Silent Hill game with an on-screen health indicator when you're being attacked. Um, again, some people may like that. Some people may think it's uh, it detracts from the immersion. Personally, I like the information it gave me. Um, but yes, they they extend your health bar, but also give you completely full health. So I was basically taking my serums to the bosses of which there are only four and um and using them there and that was that was enough to get through the game on normal difficulty anyway um but overall i there were quite long sections where i felt like i was just not finding any ammo or health and and that's something that you don't see so much in survival it felt like a, a throwback even compared to say silent hill origins you know it felt really Mm -hmm. like going back to almost resident evil one type stuff you know where it was i haven't seen a health thing for about you know 20 minutes or something like that and (laughs) and multiple Mm -hmm. multiple exchanges so part of me was cussing them part of me was appreciating the fact that it felt like a survival (laughs) horror game how how do you fellows feel yeah totally agree i i um I don't even know the last survival horror game I've played where I was probably for more than 50% of the game completely out of ammo. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought that was actually pretty cool. It, it forced me to use the, the weapons uh, or the, the hand-to-hand combat, which I hated, but I still <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> still liked yeah. it. Um, and the shooting wasn't particularly that great either. No. But again, this is 2008, so mechanics weren't really as uh, yeah, but again, evolved as they are now. As, as loath as I am to do it, thinking about it, yeah. Dead Space came out that time. Yeah, that, that, that shooting felt pretty damn great. I felt, and um, yeah, that's and true. in this, it, it feels it's not quite Deadly Premonition, but it's no, that. it's not. Oh, that no. Bad, no. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's in that ballpark though. It's it's like you don't always squeeze off a shot when you feel you ought to. Kind right. of right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else to say on that? No. Good. No. Edit that out. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, as always, uh, we must talk about the other inevitable element of the Silent Hill experience. Those puzzles. And now, there's one puzzle in this game in particular that I have learned to understand is notorious. Uh, I spent about three quarters of an hour on it before I <laughs> gave up and actually reloaded uh, the previous save point and looked up a solution because... Unlike most games of this type, um, with sliding block puzzles and things, you can't reset them in this game. If you start them, they are started. You cannot get back to your initial initial point. Um, Fortunately, they are not randomised, though. So if you do go back to a previous uh, load, you can use uh, a a solution. So yes, the attic room puzzle, I bowed out of that one. Um, Now, I've read online that some people say, oh, it's easy. You just do this and that and that, and boom, Bob's your uncle. I've always hated sliding tile puzzles. Yeah, mm. and I think this is one of the. I think this is one of the tougher ones I've ever seen myself. I may have got. I. I it was one of those where I. It looked like I had it, but then I realised that one piece was in the wrong place, and then I spent. Yeah, I spent like half an hour trying to extricate it, but then in the process of doing so, ruined the whole thing. It's a particularly vile sliding tile puzzle. <laughs> I think. Um, did everyone else is... struggle with that one, or oh, is that yeah, just me? Yeah. This this is my revenge for last episode when yeah. you you washing gave me crap about the washing machine. Yeah, because <laughs> I got this thing in like two minutes. Okay, you good? Really? At, are you normally good at these, or was it just? Did it uh, just no, awful? not. I don't know why. It's just kind of sometimes they click with me, sometimes they don't. And this yeah. time I was just yeah. Because there's the famous one in the first Professor Layton game, which a lot of people got stuck on, um, where you have to get 
uh, one tile from the back through to the front in and it's a similar configuration but i have understood that this one is a particular this is is it four by four tiles and it's got three and it's got yeah, yeah it's got three or four two block tiles so it's um it's it's especially it, it's it's above the normal level of taxing this for a sliding tile puzzle in yeah. the middle of a survival horror game yeah. in my defense <laughs> i i mean i i spent around 20 minutes trying to tackle it myself before i got so frustrated that i just <laughs> handed the controller over to cat and she <laughs> uh spent like 20 minutes on it got frustrated and then we you know went online to look up a walkthrough for it that's yeah, interesting and, and, and that you were going to say she spent 20 seconds on it and handed you the controller back <laughs> i know that's what would have happened if i'd given it to my girlfriend but uh, fortunately she was out so i didn't have the shame of doing yeah. it. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, I just it. Well, once uh, I looked at the solution, like yeah, it was just a couple of moves, and then it was done. But it wasn't obvious, like just looking mm. at it, uh, you know, the first time. Like I just it. It was really. I think the thing that really bothered me was the fact that there were these awkward little pieces. Like if yeah. it was just all like consist like all the the sizes of of the pieces were consistently the same then it wouldn't have been that big a problem but just because those awkward little pieces they always couldn't move or stuff like that yeah it was just awful i hated that puzzle (laughs) and i felt that although you know it was a in a way it was a fair puzzle and it was a puzzle you know definitely a puzzle um not something i particularly enjoy those kinds of puzzle but um, actually I felt at least it was a proper puzzle whereas I think some of the puzzles in the game were pretty much like a lot of, you know there were two wiring puzzles which were just felt oh. like trial and error yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there's a couple of I thought there were a couple of okay ones with clues and I thought generally throughout the game the flavour text kind of felt consistent with the series again yeah. I think it was it was a little bland but it wasn't again it wasn't like overtly westernised it felt like yeah. it had legacy um, there's the the one with the 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 night piece. Uh, sorry, the chess piece type thing. Well, well, not chess. They're not all chess pieces, but they're symbols. And there's there's clues around a room, and then you have to mm-hmm. set them up. Um, but I thought overall, yeah, the puzzles were. There was nothing quite as um, sort of intriguing as some of the best puzzles from the earlier games in the series. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, there was that really... There's the really big one right towards the end, isn't there? The um, Yeah, the four different rooms. Yeah, the multiple. Yeah. Uh, with Oh, that one as well, yes. Okay, well, yeah, four different rooms. I mean, again, that's that's got some, some classic Silent Hill logic. Like, mm-hmm. how does the lighted... The lit symbol on the door know that you've stuck <laughs> yeah. a knife into a piece of meat? I just... Right. You know, <laughs> I know I shouldn't yeah. think about these things so closely. Uh, but no, I was actually thinking about the... Um, the final one you know the uh the four altars to the, to oh, the founding yeah. families yeah um that took a little bit of working out that was that was kind of like the it was kind of like the washing machine puzzle but without the real world knowledge of, uh, that, that obviously i had about washing clothes that you don't sean because <laughs> somebody does it for you probably your yeah. mom <laughs> Thank God I'm editing this one. I'm hazing you. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, again, uh, I suppose if I was to if I was to summarise that um, again, puzzles that felt like they could have been out of a Silent Hill game, but somehow slightly blander and water, more watered down. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just thought the puzzles were overall pretty unspectacular. Um, not overly memorable. Um, yeah. A little bit Once obtuse, again. But, but nothing. Yeah. Sure. Nothing I wonder if this that, is that, that an X Factor thing. Yeah, expect yeah. a thing. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, or, yeah. or 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 if it's just because the rest of the game is so kind of just bland that it just paints the puzzles that way too. Or if these puzzles are really do just kind of fit into series. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, I know a lot of the puzzles in the in even in the Team Silent games have uh, have a mixed reception. You know, like I, I always like the piano keys one, um, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. but some people found that completely, uh, you know, impossible. Obtuse, but, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, I was actually reading up about some of the previous, uh, th- this game, we should say, goes back to, um, so, so Origins had no difficulty setting, settings whatsoever, after the, a lot of the Team Silent games had different settings for uh, puzzles and combat. Um, this game goes back to having normal or hard, so that's your options. Um, uh, in this game, uh, you are given two or three choices right towards the end of the game. You find your mother, uh, who's already uh, seemingly having a hard time, catatonic. Um, mm-hmm. You find her uh, strung up on a rack. You have the option of uh, euthanizing her or letting her get stretched apart while she's still alive. Um, the good choice is to put her out of her misery. Although I quite like the fact that he really questions that after you've done yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. I was thinking, have I done the right thing here? Maybe I could have saved her, <laughs> but you can't spoiler um and then you speak to your father in a confession booth and as good again i thought this was quite cool in a kind of obvious way but he's calling you father because he thinks mm. you are the 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 priest that he's confessing mm-hmm. to and in fact he's your biological father um the kind of the, the the twist being that the reason that um your father was so cold to you um and so harsh on you as a child was because he knew he couldn't get close because you were the sacrificial pawn. Um, So again, there's the option to forgive your dad or to not. um, And this dictates the ending. I I did. um, I I didn't even look any of this up. I just thought I'll do what I do in the game. Mm. Um, I mercy killed and I forgave because I'm a lovely person and I got the good (laughs) ending where everything's fine after you've killed <laughs> yeah. after you've killed your bro- uh, well you've not killed your brother you've killed the sort of you know the yeah. evil manifestation of your your guilt or whatever well actually no it sort of is your brother isn't it but uh. <laughs> but <laughs> i think my favorite bit about this was um about the endings before we talk about the others was uh, th- there's a there's a scene where uh, l reveals you know the the machinations of the plot that's gone on and then she attacks you with a drill why does she attack you with a drill i can't remember um <laughs> she attacks you she she sticks a rusty power drill into your leg uh you bust free of your your bonds and shove it in her chin mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you limp out the room as you'd expect having had a power drill in your leg <laughs> right. and then you're then absolutely fine. fine in the next sequence yeah. but then at the in the end sequence you're limping again I yeah, guess there's, the- there's a lot of uh, holes like that. There's also the hole where uh, at one point you get separated from L, yeah, um, and you're led to believe that something horrible happened to her. Yes, you see like, yeah. this big trail of blood, and then she just pops back up and it never brings it up again. No, no that's right. Says, hey, where were you, or anything like that? It's just totally. Mm. And there's also the whole thing with Wheeler at the end, assuming that you give him the med kit. Oh yeah, uh, that he would live 
and uh, you don't see him ever again unless you get the UFO ending. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just, just to clear that up, it's um, yes. it's not L that, that drills you in the leg. Into Margaret. Right, Judge Holloway. Sorry, Judge. Yes, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Yeah. Good point. Told you yeah. she looked young. <laughs> yeah. um, they, they do, yeah, she does look young. No, uh, I, did, I, I didn't know that really. Um, yeah, no, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And that is the other choice. Uh, as you say, Sean, the, um, uh, the, you find uh, your comedy uh, African-American sidekick <laughs> uh, full of ke- kebab skewers or whatever. And you have the option to uh, give him a health kit or keep it for yourself. Um, and yeah, so basically these these binary choices and the, the various combinations thereof uh, get you to the different endings. So the good ending, everything's fine. Uh, you meet up again with Elle, not the judge, um, and uh, she helps you limp off. Uh, if you uh, do kill your mum but don't forgive your father, you get drowned in the bath. Mm-hmm. Uh, other way round, um, you uh, are still a mental patient in a hospital and you get lobotomized which is quite grim <laughs> uh and then there's a there's a big old fan service ending uh, which is God. the <laughs> what's that noise sean <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, pyramid head in this game has, has had his redesign to match the pyramid head in the film with his rather too light looking hat um and uh, it, what are the choices in this game? This is if you do everything bad, isn't it? This is right, if you yeah, if yeah. you don't euthanize your mother, if you don't forgive your father, and if you don't give Wheeler the med kit, right? And then kill the final boss. Uh, you get a pyramid head lowered onto your face. Uh, you, <laughs> I you, think you get you get two sides. Um, I think two of them approach you and, and push you yeah, either yeah. side of your head. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a while. I actually got I got the good ending. And then I reloaded it and did all the opposite choices, so I got this ending as well. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And it was a bit like uh. fan service, much. Uh, yeah, um, I'm sure some people wet themselves over it, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, then there is a UFO ending. You don't get to see any aliens in it, and it's only sadly, unlike the previous um, versions of this, it's not done in a kind of comedy cartoon style. No. <laughs> it's just done in CG. And Wheeler turns up and says, "I knew that it was the UFOs who were taking all the people away," and that's it. Yeah, bit lame, that's, bit limp. Yeah, I thought that's terrible, uh, but I didn't get any of those. Um, despite several people, <laughs> and you made the same joke uh, on Twitter, Sean, to Josh as. Uh, as Catatonic Gnarly did to me, I think, which was the... Uh, and now all you've got to do is replay it through for all the yeah. other things. It's like, <laughs> nah, <laughs> no thanks. Um, but getting the UFO ending, um, which I think you can do on the first playthrough uh, this mm-hmm. time, uh, does unlock this ridiculously overpowered weapon, um, this laser pistol, which uh, apparently can take out the final boss in a matter of seconds. Um, unlimited ammo and never needs reloading. Um, yeah, and there's a there's a bunch of unlockable costumes for the different endings as well, including uh, a sort of trucker style uh, thing and a pyramid head uh, if you want to do that. So that's all that. Um, right now, um, this is going to be interesting. And the, the weird thing is, I know that our opinions on this game seem to be uh, much of a muchness at this point, um, and you know we've not had any real strong. Um, disagreements um, and we're not particularly motivated strongly in any particular direction on this game 
but we've had some really interesting correspondence about this game. Um, it's interesting some of the some of the real classic, highly played games. You know, this is a game that sold under a million copies, I believe. Um, we got a ton of correspondence about it, um, and passionate uh, in various ways. So um, let's start uh, with. I believe, outside of the three-word reviews, the most negative post we had on the forum. So Daniel Gomez posted at com slash forum to say, and he has, I should say, he has posted many times before uh, expressing his dismay about Silent Hill Homecoming. So he finally got to express it here. After the disappointment of Silent Hill Origins, I was really looking forward to the new next-gen Silent Hill. I'd only seen a few screenshots and videos, but my hopes were already up just having seen the other world transitions. The problem was that I had no next-gen console to play yet. Luckily for me, when I was attending a friend's party, I noticed that he had both an Xbox 360 and a still unopened copy of Silent Hill Homecoming. Needless to say, I hijacked the console to play the game. Unfortunately, the experience would be far from what I expected. At first, the game doesn't seem so bad. The next-gen graphics and other world transitions are impressive for a while, and the entire hospital scene and enemies are familiar territory to a Silent Hill fan. The combat was minimal at this point, so you might even think this is an improvement over the previous games. So after that initial sequence, my impressions were positive, and I was eager to see what was next. As I kept playing through, all of that eagerness was sucked away. The first thing that got me was the terrible level design. The graveyard, sewers and the other world house are particularly bad, with you often running in circles trying to figure out what to do. I know the levels are supposed to be similar to mazes, but here they are just terribly confusing to navigate in a way none of the previous games were. As you progress, any hope that this combat system was somehow better than the previous games disappears. Fights turn into infuriating slogs and are much more likely to get you killed than the stiff combat system of previous games. This gets particularly bad during boss fights, making them some of the worst parts of the game. Speaking of enemies, they have some of the blandest design I've ever seen in a horror game, let alone a Silent Hill game. If there was one aspect I was holding some hope until the very end was the story. Even if I didn't care about any of the characters, I still had hope that there would be some twist that would be worth it. What happened, though, was probably one of the dumbest game stories I've played through, and that's saying a lot. The whole premise of your character being a soldier is thrown out of the window at the last second for some shocking revelations and the entire last section turns into hostile for no reason. If I can think of anything positive to say about Homecoming is that it is at least memorable for its complete incompetence and being the sharpest nosedive I've seen a game series take. So yeah, uh, Daniel seems uh, very much more negative than any of us you know to the point of um you know saying that he actively dislikes uh, you said you said a similar thing about the combat but saying that you know he actively dislikes it more that the level design is you know he felt the level design was inferior that he was actually getting lost i, I, I mean I, I think i did yeah let us not miss out that the most damning fact of this entire thing was that he starts mm. with after the disappointment of silent hill origins and ends with that this <laughs> is the sharpest nose dive he's ever seen a game <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah 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 whereas i think you know if i was if i was reviewing a game for press or whatever and i was giving an overall score i don't think my score for this would be much different to origins honestly it's it's it yeah. lives in a very similar area to me of it, it, you know, it does a few things more differently. Origins was closer to the Team Silent games, or the first three anyway. 
But in terms of overall how much fun I had with it, I'd say this was in that very very sort of middling mediocre kind of area rather than the the complete disaster that Daniel obviously enjoyed. <laughs> well, and as I say, what was interesting again about this game was that uh, we got more than the usual amount of emails about this game. Um podcast at canarince.com. Um people were clamoring well, not exactly, but we had a few emails, which is unusual. Uh, first of which comes from uh, Joe O'Connor. He says, This week, you guys are discussing the only game I ever got 1,000 Xbox achievement points for. It was not a goal of mine. It just happened, to, uh, happened by naturally playing the game twice and reloading an old save file to see all of the endings. I come at Silent Hill Homecoming from a different place than most people. I did not like early horror games. Games like the original Resident Evil and Silent Hill were ruined by the static camera view for me. Any time I see a static camera view now, it's like being poked in an old wound. It's definitely one of my biggest gaming pet peeves, as are tank controls and the overuse of puzzles in a genre that is not naturally puzzle-based. In horror movies, the characters don't have to solve a Rubik's <laughs> Cube in order to open every door. I just don't find that to be fun. An occasional puzzle can be fun and a nice change of pace. I'm thinking of a well-crafted puzzle that unlocks something important, like the sun puzzle in the first Indiana Jones movie. But a constant onslaught of puzzles seems like irritating busy work. Horror games should be about sneaking around, hoping not to attract the attention of the brutal monster that is hunting you, and maybe piecing together the mystery of what's happening. In my mind, those early horror games were about awkward controls, bad camera views, and irritating inventory management. Partially because defenders of those games claimed that those awkward... Those games' awkwardnesses added to the tension and actually made the games better. So when they made a more user-friendly version of Silent Hill, I jumped in, because I do like horror, and I think they nailed the mood and atmosphere. The deserted town, the fog, the flashlight that actually needed to be used. The static on the radio indicating the presence of monsters, the music, the weird characters, and unworldly creatures. I liked all of that. At this, all this time... They just needed to put Silent Hill into a more functional package. It's not the greatest game, but it is one of my favourite horror games. What a fascinating perspective. Yeah, it's different. Well, you know, again, it just goes to show that, um, you know, sometimes one's perception of of things and and the accepted status quo, you know, of the, the the classic horror games, Resident Evil. I mean, I guess, you know, he's not even going to like... Resident Evil HD remaster because it's got all the yep. things he doesn't like in it. Um, he's not going to like Silent Hill 2. Uh, Graham Strachan uh, posted uh, on the forum to say, I came to Homecoming a little late. In fact, having to squeeze it in a few months before the release of Downpour, I was at first surprised, intrigued, and then a little frightened by this game, right up until the sudden It Was All a Dream revealed 10 minutes in. After that, the game lurched from lifeless location to incomprehensible plot point with only a few blips of genuinely good entertainment throughout. What struck me first was that the design of the game is arguably based not on the earlier entries into the series, but on the Christoph Gantz movie adaptation. The cultish order in their mining costumes, the ash fog, the (coughs) giant church with its strange cross design, and the movie redesign of Pyramid Head were all taken wholesale from the film. Fitting then that this game itself had a few moments lifted for the for the film's laughable sequel. But even so, I could have grudgingly looked past these choices had the game felt right and the story worked. A bigger issue is the awfully handled story of Alex, his brother Josh, and the mystical death cult his parents and friends were embroiled with. Alex is a terribly defined protagonist, and worse, his brother Josh is a non-entity. 
Almost immediately in the game, this snarky teenage boy runs away from Alex, a grown man and apparently a soldier, yet he inexplicably fails to ever catch up. That's symbolic, though, isn't it? Interjection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead, we are forced to wander around the town of Shepherd's Glen, beset by weird monsters and odd people who Alex knows, but doesn't really bother to talk to. It's worse than bad. It's boring, because we have no investment in Alex or Josh. The creepy hill dwellers of the earlier games worked because they were strangers to the protagonist. No one in Silent Hill 2 knew James, and few of them knew Mary. The only one who did, understandably, detests James and runs away from him. In Homecoming, half the cast know Alex Shepard and presumably know the fate of Josh, yet no one mentions to him that he's chasing a dead child. (laughs) Instead of feeling clever, it comes across as obtuse and lazy. Worse still, the plot itself doesn't even become clear until almost the halfway point. Moreover, the game fails in its own setup, as it opens with a tantalising, stretch-abound homage to Jacob's Ladder, has music that deliberately references war movies like Full Metal Jacket, and even swaps out Pyramid's Head's sword for a giant army combat knife. Yet it transpires that Alex is not a soldier after all, but rather a patient from a mental hospital who always wanted to be one. A confusing turn, which instead of being a revelation feels mystifying. Yet for all this and the plentiful fan derision of Homecoming, it's not really a terrible game. The art direction, mechanics, engine and sound design are all decent enough, and the music, while not ground-shattering, is on a par with the low end of the Team Silent games in the series. The clunky controls, awkward camera angles and clumsy combat have been largely eschewed in favour of a slicker third-person game with a focus on combo attacks and dodging. It's a system which isn't amazing, but at times turns fights into a fluid affair instead of a frantic button mash. But with that, the atmosphere of helplessness has been lost. The real problem is that aside from the aesthetic and plot location, the game doesn't feel like a Silent Hill game. It's a generic third-person horror game with the art design from Silent Hill. Not necessarily a cheap cash-in, but an ugly and misguided misstep. Yeah, I think... uh, that post probably echoes most of our our feelings most mm-hmm. accurately so far. Uh, decent elements, but but overall lacking something. Another email, yes, another email from Daniel Buchan, another new poster as well. This is the kind of correspondence that Silent Hill Homecoming merited. He says. Judging by the last few Silent Hill episodes, I fear I may be in the minority when it comes to Homecoming, in that I don't believe it's as bad as some people seem to think. The overriding factors that make a good Silent Hill for me is atmosphere and story, and whilst the graphics may be technically average, Homecoming succeeds at creating a suitably dark and sinister environment, with interesting and strange characters' motivations throughout. With Akira Yamaoka doing the soundtrack, the overall visual and audio aspects that define a Silent Hill experience are present and correct. A standout example of this is the descent through hell to reach Dr. Fitch and the ensuing boss fight with Scarlet. The entire section is terrifying, and Scarlet is a truly disturbing and difficult confrontation. The story, in my opinion, is a good one, and kept me interested until the very end. The voice acting for most of the characters is great, and the writing is serviceable at least. It probably sounds as though I think this is the best game ever, and clearly it is not. The end section, when fighting the cult members, is out of keeping with what I expect from Silent Hill. Some of the puzzles are terrible, e.g. the tile-sliding picture-match puzzle in the attic of your house, and the gameplay in general is pretty standard and unexciting, although you can say the same for every Silent Hill game, without exception. Thank you, Daniel, for emailing in. 
Um, Just because I forgot to mention this in the intro, um, Dan actually very kindly lent me his copy of uh, Silent Hill Homecoming to play for the show. So thank you very much for that, Dan. Is this somebody you know or just through the internet? Just through the internet, Dan. I I said I'm I'm kind of looking to borrow a copy of Silent Hill Homecoming and, and Dan very kindly offered me his. So it's very, you know... Thanks for trusting me with your copy. I could have just kept it or sold it or what have you. Snapped it in. Um, yeah, but he obviously um, likes it. Yeah. Well, let's give uh, let's give Dan a Twitter shout out then. He's at Global Mega Dude on Twitter. What a nice guy! Give him a follow, even if he does like Silent Hill Homecoming, and you all think it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> right. One more email. Unbelievably. Uh, our final piece of correspondence for this issue is from Brendan Steer. Now, full disclosure, he says, I've gained a degree of notoriety amongst my friends for being a bit of a homecoming apologist, but I'd rather think of myself as an investigator, desperately trying to figure out what's wrong with it. Because it's not very good, but I do rather enjoy the weird mess of the game, and I think it gets far more flat than it deserves. I think the main reason for the hatred is twofold. There's the inevitable backlash against a beloved Japanese property being handed to (gasps) Yanks, But the deeper problem is that Silent Hill fans have, by and large, become one of the more ornery and unpleasable fan bases around. Basically, I'm saying, we think we know what we want, but we don't. And I think that this is because the franchise is so many things to so many different people. Some players love certain aspects, other players despise. And when you talk to them about why their favourite Silent Hill is great, you rarely come up with a consensus. The games are a Rorschach test of sorts. I bring this up because Homecoming is a game that is bending over backwards to try and give fans what they want. Double Helix is trying so hard to make a game for fan, that fans will like, and that is why they so weirdly fail. Everyone knows, quote, two is best, so they gave us a twisty mind-screw plot and everyone hated it because it felt derivative. We wanted better combat, so they made things more combat-oriented and everyone hated it because it felt like Resident Evil. We wanted more weird cult stuff and they gave us weird cult stuff and everyone hated it because it felt too much like the movie. We wanted more weird vaginal monsters and pyramid heads so, you know, it just goes on. Which brings us to this unshakable and uncomfortable truth. The Silent Hill franchise succeeds in the first four games because of the team's inability to properly emulate American horror, their original stated goal, making their product something unidentifiably other. Just like America making samurai movies, Japan never really succeeds at making something that feels American. Even their small seaside towns don't feel quite right. I'm not saying this is bad. This is what gives cinema and games of different countries their own distinct flavour, and I love it. But that's the crux of the problem. I think in their hearts, Silent Hill fans were identifying most with this bizarre offness that colours all of the previous entries so intrinsically and is incredibly hard to identify. Now, like I said... I think Homecoming is a fine game, as in, it's fine, not great. I think it controls well, looks terrific for its time, and some really neat art direction, and has some really cool monster designs, as well as some inspired areas to get spooked in. The reason people don't like Homecoming isn't a gameplay mechanic as much as it feels unmistakably different than the previous four. It does feel more American, and therefore more familiar and identifiable, and therefore significantly less disturbing and scary. There's a definite Western logic to the design decisions that are just absent in the Japanese entries. There's nothing as nervously bizarre as the weird room with Eileen's head or the constant deaths of Maria, and the game suffers from it. 
In essence, Homecoming is an American horror game that's trying to emulate a Japanese horror game that was originally trying to emulate American (laughs) horror, which is why it feels like a weird pile-up and why it invoked so much ire and why the continuing entries have had such mixed results. In trying to be the same, Homecoming gave us something different, and we hated it. But that's a franchise evolving, albeit tumorously, and that's interesting, and I appreciate interesting. Fantastic email. Yeah. That's me clapping there. Yes. Yeah, that was brilliant. And that, that, it's like an entire email basically dedicated to that X Factor that we keep bringing up throughout this entire series. Yes. Yeah. Please write in again, Brendan. Um, yeah. It'll be yeah, a mass <laughs> I think, um, you know, again, I, I think when he says everyone hates it, I think he does that knowingly because I think we yeah. know that not everyone hates it. Um, but it, it is that perception that the game is not warmly thought of in general. There were jokes going again, going into this. Um, I joked on the day that my copy arrived about mm. the fact that I just <laughs> bought Bloodborne and you know I just did a little Twitter joke saying I was about to play Bloodborne and I was really excited about it and oh dear here's my copy of Silent Hill Homecoming so you know I'm guilty of perpetuating that albeit in a humorous way and then a few people came back to me immediately very very quickly nearly all the responses were give it a chance it's all right I quite like it Mm -hmm. you know this this game is not bad but then then I responded genuinely I'm going in with an open mind and I want to enjoy it and then Andy Hamilton of Midnight Resistance and a regular guest came back with, again, in jest, boycott Kane and Rince. You know, as in, you can't, you can't be open-minded about Silent Hill Homecoming because it's so awful. So that's, you know, it's sort of in microcosm. It's, it's an in, I, I think I've been really looking forward to making this podcast because even though it's a game that I feel completely blase about in a lot yeah. of ways it's yeah. created so much interesting conversation I think that these, yeah. these ones um, in a strange way are the reasons that I wanted to cover the whole of the Silent Hill games because yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. we we all know that the, the, the first four games the first three especially have real you know values and uh, troughs but we, we, we already know that these ones are more original interesting discussion because they have a reputation for being way worse than they actually are. It, it, it's strange. It, it's the vocal minority that genuinely dislike this game seem to have outweighed those that were just very... You know, no one was, is singing from the rooftops that this is the best thing ever, but those that just think it was all right or good or does certain things right, they, they, they've got even less to say about than, than those that hate it. So it's kind of interesting to discuss it with... Um, over an extended period of time, about why that they are you know quote unquote average games. Well, well, for me, it's more just that there's a real lack of conversation around these yeah. games, um, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. Silent Hill games uh, post uh, Silent Hill Four. I can find any number of articles written since the release of Silent Hill Two, Silent Hill Three, Silent Hill Four that talk in detail about why those games work, why they don't work, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et I struggle to find much at all about Silent Hill Homecoming or um, 
Shattered Memory is kind of the exception here. Um, there's a, there's mm. actually quite a lot of written yeah. content online for that game, but Downpour, like I, there's yeah. not much conversation about that game about whatsoever. That game. I, I, mm. I, I I felt I felt like that going into Homecoming to a point as well. Like yeah. I bought them off you know off CEX, a secondhand shop, because that's where you buy second generally secondhand games, if not eBay. Got them through the post, and I thought I don't, I just don't know anything really about these games <laughs> i've i've made assumptions um some some of my own prejudices some based on my perception of what other people think and it's and you know i, I don't want to keep saying it because you know want to keep your ego in check but carl you were absolutely right to to not insist but strongly yeah. put forward the case for us continuing you know on and covering the whole silent hill series because even though the games might not be as interesting the conversations that surround them maybe are more interesting in some ways yeah uh, i mean we'll let the listeners decide but i've certainly enjoyed making this podcast as much as say the silent hill 2 one even though you know i think that was for me a much stronger experience a much more memorable game but and I, I'm sure somewhere there's a real fan of the Silent Hill franchise as a whole is thinking, finally, someone's talked about Silent Hill Origins. Yeah, so, the, yeah. The, the, you know, that, it would be nice to think that there's someone. In, in a way, I almost kind of regret uh, agreeing to do every one of these episodes because I had uh, originally thought that I was this, like, Silent Hill super fan. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> going and like coming now and revisiting all these games so many years later I'm kind of like it's really just 2 and 3 <laughs> that I'm that I'm really big fans of and and there are real serious super fans out there again you listen to the podcast um that I was talking about earlier and those people are you know they are franchise fans who, who course, knows yeah. what other games they play I don't know how many, you know, how much time they have for other things. I'm sure they they manage to get, you, you know, there's only however many Silent Hill games there are. There's still time in the world, but they are they are obsessed with the law. They're obsessed with the franchise, you know. Mm. And these people, you know, they got they went to the lengths of getting an associate producer on to to talk to them, uh, yeah. and mm. they were quite honest with him about their criticisms, mm-hmm. uh, and he was honest back. And you know, these people live this game, and and that's something that you know it's interesting having that one. Uh, correspondent talk about how the Silent Hill fan base can again in their perception be particularly um, difficult and as mm-hmm. I've already mentioned in this podcast I had some quite difficult exchanges with a with a Silent Hill super fan after we started making this series um, mm-hmm. and he's no longer listening because I think because we're, we're not super fans and that's the that's yeah. one of the things about Kane yeah. and Rince like we are super fans of video gaming but because right, yeah. we all play so much different stuff we don't really like you know josh has got persona carl's got halo and and whatever but none of us really have the time just to be completely and utterly mm-hmm. invested in one one world one franchise one law yeah. because yeah. to do cana rinse and to be the kind of person who i wanted on cana rinse you have to be the kind of person who plays too much stuff to be obsessed with only one mm-hmm. franchise so <laughs> yeah. we're always coming to these games as people who played them not as super fans you know yeah. sometimes we'll do a game that we just adore and that happens but it's not the same thing as being somebody who starts up a fan site for a particular franchise mm-hmm. or, or whatever it's <laughs> yeah. it's a whole it's a whole nother <clears throat> level Anyway, um, I suppose it makes sense that although we had some uh, some nice positive emails, um, the three word reviews <laughs> were probably less positive um, because uh, people who felt 
negatively about the game are probably less likely to compose an email. So it's never a scientific sample. But to redress the balance somewhat, uh, here are from Twitter, follow us at Kane and Rince, the three word reviews of Silent Hill Homecoming. Anime Dad says, fuck off home. Hands in the jam, franchise wrecking mess. Aaron Green, only gets worse. Alabaster Mage, missed the point. The Reviewist, Vapid, Flawed, Avoid. Danny Books, Worthwhile Entry, Just. (laughs) That's the most positive three-word review we had. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, make of that what you will. But uh, let us summarise, and uh, I've spoken a lot in this uh, this issue because I read out the correspondence, so I'll be very brief. Um, Although I knew nothing about this game, as I said, really, going into it, other than it was a Double Helix-developed Silent Hill... Um, it still managed to completely not surprise me. Um, There were a few welcome elements, uh, such as, you know, things that you might think are minor, but actually um, kind of improve the experience, like the speed of going in and out of doors and going in and out of the map screen and your menus and, and all that sort of thing. And apart from a couple of near pad throwing swear fest sessions with, Uh, a lack of ammo and monsters that seemingly could attack me from any range including when I was on the floor I actually found my progress through the game was a fairly smooth ride Um, I was mildly intrigued by the story I don't think it was particularly well told but equally I don't think it was uh, any more ham-fisted or hokey than some of the other uh, Silent Hill games that aren't the one that most people revere (laughs) seemingly so yeah I didn't hate it I didn't love it. It wouldn't have mattered if I'd never played it. Um, But I don't mind that I have. Uh, And I think pretty much... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I I can't even second guess how how you, uh, all our listeners, would feel about playing it. But hopefully you've got a sense from our feedback and all that correspondence whether you think you'd now like to play it or not. Or whether we're all mad for not saying it's the worst game ever. (laughs) Sean. Hmm. Um, yeah, going into this podcast, I had much more fonder memories, much more fond memories of, uh, Silent Hill Homecoming than, uh, coming out of it. <laughs> um, right. yeah, when I played it, uh, back in 2008, I, I, I actually really liked it back then. Mm. And I, I'm kind of wondering if that's just because I wasn't playing that many games at the time or I hadn't played much up until then. So I just kind of, uh, I, I wasn't, I didn't have anything really to compare it to. Um, so when it comes to recommending it, like I think there's probably enough in there that's, that's, that that's decent enough to, uh, recommend it to people. Um, but on the other hand, it's, it's, yeah, it's, as you said, it's just totally, there's nothing, there's nothing really special about it when you think about it as a whole. Um, and coming from a series that gave us something like Silent Hill two and three and even four, um, you know, special is certainly a word I would use to describe the series, and uh, uh, but unfortunately, not this one. So, yeah. hmm. Josh, um, yeah, I, I've because I've kind of given my summary already uh, by stealing <laughs> yours, so I've I've kind of put myself in a tricky <laughs> position as well. I silent hill homecoming is nowhere near as bad as i expected it to be which i feel is kind of uh, 
the opinion that most most of us kind of share on this podcast in that mm-hmm. I think the the general perception of the game painted this as kind of a disaster for me going in and it just it felt just I, it was just bland really it it just felt like the color beige like it's it's just it's <laughs> completely inoffensive but also unmemorable just I think this game would probably linger in my mind more if it was a worse game, as strange as that is to sound, uh, to say. Um, mm. Worse but just, more adventurous maybe would have been yeah. more interesting, you know. Uh, but, so, because I think there's like with 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 albums, with films, with with all yeah. art, there's there's like there's the interesting three star out of five game, and there's the mm. then there's the the, un, the the uninteresting one, and the interesting one is the one that goes from one to five to one to five. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the less interesting one is the one that stays three all the way through. And I suppose yeah. the way we're talking about that, it seems like this is more the yeah. More of that. And and I, I think Silent Hill Four for me was the one to five to one to five yeah. in that yeah that that game has some really low points, but like it was brimming with imagination. Like the people wanted to make something special out of that game and there are a lot of ideas that even now I'm thinking wow that would be that would be so good if somebody took that idea and put it in another horror game and and I I, I secretly hope that Silent Hills is kind of looking at Silent Hill 4 and going how can we make this but good um and whereas yeah Silent Hill Homecoming it's mediocre to to a point where I I can neither recommend it nor like just say don't play it because it it's just it just exists and it doesn't like it doesn't bother me it doesn't bother me either way i just this is such a strange game for me to talk about because i i because it's so middle of the road i I really struggle to come up with anything nuanced or, or clever to say in this summary, other than it's all right. I mean, mm. I, if you play it, like you might have some fun. Uh, there might be some bits that annoy you, but ultimately you'll forget about it in a week and <laughs> move on to better experiences. So, or in our yeah. case, the next Silent Hill game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It makes uh, that conversation makes me think that uh, the Evil Within might be an interesting podcast to make one day. Because mm. from what I hear about that, it's one of those uh, peaks and troughs kind of yeah. experiences. Yeah. But actually, as I say, if this game wasn't the peaks and troughs experiences, it still created, I think, some really interesting conversation. And uh, no pressure, Carl, to <laughs> finish it off. Yeah, I mean, without sort of flogging a dead horse, we've mentioned that it's not always possible for. Western games to be, you know, go across the East and vice versa, you know, in, in the same way that you, you wouldn't expect a company from, you know, the West to be able to craft something like Demons or Dark Souls or Bloodborne, um, in, in the same that the East you wouldn't expect to develop something like Gears of War. Not everything can have the crossover like Devil May Cry, and in Silent Hill it's really sort of bore the brunt of that wrath from, from fans. But it's quite reassuring hearing all the feedback and and Brendan you know got so much right with his wrap up it's they tried to service the fans in so many ways but for me it came off a little bit cheap and Josh is absolutely right this game would have been better off if some elements of it were really bad rather than just you know treading right down the middle because not one element 
of Silent Hill Homecoming is worse than certain elements from the other titles, but none of it is better than the peaks from those other titles either. It really is really middle of the road. And I played it when it first came out, and even then there was a sort of a murmuring of, you know, complaint and unhappiness around it, and I'd be the one going to people, you know, it's not that bad, give it a go. Seriously, it's not this terrible game that's being imagined. And then we come to it and we look at the Metacritic and the average is a 7 and you look at it and you're like, well, that might have been a bit generous. So um, it's just very, yeah, it, like Josh said, it just sort of exists. It, it It's certainly a Silent Hill game. Um, it's, you know, it, it follows all the same tre- techniques, the puzzles, the combat, the character style, the environment. But it is just pretty boring and unoriginal with it. And I think that combined with the fact that I'd just played Dead Space before it, it, it look, I mean, obviously they're the same survival horror genre, but they're very different in how they approach horror games. But you're going to compare the two when you go from one horror game straight into another horror game. And unfortunately, this one came second. And it's always been on the wrong side of Dead Space since. And that's why I think it might have been quite interesting to be shown to play Silent Hill first, because whilst I'm sure he's not going to say that Homecoming is better than Dead Space, he didn't have that comparison first. Um, But all said, it really isn't bad. I think it's a damn sight better than Silent Hill Origins, which really tested my patience and really annoyed me in many, many ways. This was just plain sailing. It was boring um, for being. It was boring for being so average and not really trying something new. It, it, you know, it, it tried to please the fans, but it never brought any real form of originality. And of it, that's the only of the the four Western developed games that I would ever level this to. Um, so I was really intrigued to be a part of this conversation for that reason, to see how other people felt about it, because I've certainly got a lot more to say in terms of of the, the highs and the lows of the next two to come. But but with this, I would say, if you want to experience all the Silent Hill games, that's probably the only reason you should play it. Or if you want to play a Silent Hill game but don't feel like you can get on with the mechanics of the earlier titles because they're not always easy, you know. I'm a huge fan of the first game, and I was quite critical. I probably came off more critical in the in, in that podcast than I should have been. But if that's a bit too much for you, then this is maybe a good Silent Hill for you to sort of introduce yourself to. It's sort of separated from the rest of them for that reason. It's, you know, it, it, it features other elements as we mentioned from the Silent Hill games but it's very much its own story if this was the only Silent Hill game you got you didn't really get the Silent Hill experience but you you know you you got a a whole package in its own right so I wouldn't really recommend anyone going out and playing it unless they really wanted to experience the whole lot There there are better options in that Silent Hill franchise both before and after this one all right. Well, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Shattered Memories now. I booted it up last night after having owned it for many, many years and uh, started on that journey. So we'll be back for more Silent Hill in a month um, with several other podcasts in the meantime. 
So for now, it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Josh, Carl and Sean and to tell you that next time in issue 172, I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream, Speedball and Speedball 2 Brutal Deluxe.